morning. My name's Laura, and today I'm starting the Miracles series. So if you don't know anything about me, I am married to my husband, Dave, and we've been part of AB now for just over three years. We've been starting the talk today, looking at the miracles of Jesus and how we can see more of the supernatural break into our everyday. Last week, we, as has been said already, had healing on the streets, and we had Mark Marks come over from Causeway Coast Vineyard, and he came to talk to us about the model that he's created called Healing on the Streets. He invited each one of us to go into the town and invite people to come and sit on some very beautiful brown chairs that are sat on that, in that corner, the precarious box standing on top of it. And uh, yes, people could come and pray and experience God and hopefully see some healing. Mark shared his wisdom and his experience of HOTS by sharing many, many stories. So the model that he has created has now been rolled out right across the world. And his stories, there were like hundreds of them. I think he probably did hit hundreds by the time he'd finished at the end of the weekend. He spoke on the Friday night, Saturday morning, and then we went and did the stuff in the town Saturday afternoon. For taking healing on the streets, Mark made the opportunity as simple as he could. When we arrived, we had to kneel down on the centre of the town, praying to God and proclaiming that his kingdom is where we are and that we want to partner with him to see the people of Ashford transformed. If anyone did want some prayer, then they were escorted to one of the chairs. And the way that we prayed was as follows. Keep your eyes open and keep them like, so that you're aware of what is going on with the person that you're praying for. Tell people what Jesus thinks of them, i.e. how loved and precious they are to them. Command the pain to go, because we actually carry God's authority. We don't have to ask God to do it. He's already told us that we can do it, because we've got him inside of us. Listen out to what God is saying, and see how they're feeling afterwards. Easy, right? Of course, over the weekend, we then saw some amazing miracles happen. Dave Rowe's leg grew out, and he'd been experiencing loads of back pain. And uh, we saw another man's leg be healed in the street. One young man had so much pain in his foot, he couldn't play football and was absolutely gutted and traumatised by this. But after prayer, was able to kick a ball around, which was just really great to see. Ruth had um, a reduction in pain that she'd had in her elbows and in her knees. And yeah, God was really on the move. I wonder how these things we experienced make us feel at Ashford Vineyard. Does it fill you with excitement? We can't wait to get out there, partnering with God to connect and love the people of Ashford in this brave and exciting new venture. For some of us, the word easy is the last word we'd use when considering the possibility of what this could entail. For without a doubt, this comes at a cost. What if I look silly? What if I get it wrong? What if I see someone I know? What will they think of me? Will I look crazy? And I want to say, if that's you, it's definitely me too. When we look at the miracles of Jesus, we find people who react to the power of Jesus, displayed just like we do. And yet there were some characters who were so intent on seeing Jesus meet their needs with a miracle that they're able to overcome their fear and put their faith in who Jesus was in order that they could see the miracle they knew that Jesus could bring into the situation. We're going to look at Luke 8, 40 to 56 in the Passion Translation. When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed for what they had been been waiting for him to arrive. Just then, a man named Jairus, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, 
because she was at the point of death. Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, but a large crowd surrounded him. In the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, Someone touched me. Who was it? While they all denied it, Peter pointed out, Master, everyone is touching you. They're all trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick, we can't just walk through all these people without being jostled. Jesus replied, yes, but I felt a power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. When the woman realised she couldn't hide any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet. Before the entire crowd, she declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew if I could just touch you from the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. Jesus responded, Beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. You may go with my peace. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from Jairus' house and told him, There's no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She's gone. When Jesus heard this, he said, Jairus, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me and she will live again. When they arrived at the house, Jesus allowed only Peter, John and James, along with their child's parents, to go inside. Jesus told those left outside who were sobbing and wailing with grief, stop crying, she's not dead, she's just asleep and must be awakened. They laughed at him, knowing for certain that she had died. Jesus approached the body, took the child by her hand and called out with a loud voice, my sleeping child, awake, rise up. Instantly, her spirit returned to her body and she stood up. Jesus directed her stunned parents to give her something to eat and ordered them not to tell anyone what had just happened. Now you can imagine the fear both Jairus and that woman in the crowd had. Jairus was about to lose his only daughter. She was precious and just 12 years old. My daughter Izzy is 12. And the thought of her being that poorly is unbearable to me. I can only imagine how Jairus would have felt in that moment. But he must have felt pretty helpless and powerless. But he took that risk of leaving her to come and find Jesus, as he knew he'd be his only hope. The other character here, the lady in the crowd, from one woman to another, ow, I can't cope with seven days a month, let alone 12 years of bleeding. She would not have only been incredibly weak and in much pain, but due to her bleeding, she was also an outcast. She was not an accepted member of society, she was not allowed to touch anybody, as they too would then be seen unclean. She knew her only hope was Jesus. Had the crowd known that she was there, she could well have been sent away or worse punished for coming into the street and potentially contaminating the others. She knew what a cost it was to go and seek Jesus. Jesus knew the cost too, both for Jairus and her. His words to the woman are beautiful. She was described as trembling in fear. And he says, Beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. You may go in peace. He calls her daughter. He made her feel like a close family member, calming her nerves and sending her off in peace. As the crowd would have realised who she was, Jesus alleviates any potential backlash on her by making a public announcement of her healing. And so she has no fear of contaminating the crowd with her uncleanliness.
En route to Jairus' house, they hear the news that Jairus' daughter has died. And Jesus says, Jairus, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me and she will live again. I imagine the news of her death for Jairus coming to him and Jesus being like the calming of that storm. The crowd being noisy, possibly overdramatic and wailing and hopeless. And Jesus just calmly taking him by the hand and just saying, I've got this, believe me. You don't have to be afraid. In a crowd, it is still very possible to feel lonely. But I can sense Jesus saying both to Jairus and that lady, we have this and you are not alone. Have you ever felt like that? In a moment where the crowd could have easily swept you away, when a situation has taken you well out of your comfort zone and you felt like you've either started to feel like you're drowning or being trampled on. And then you felt that gentle whisper that says, I've got you, and then felt like him leading you to safety. Last weekend, I felt like that. I was way out of my comfort zone. I'm glad James found it easy. I seriously didn't. The weekend for me, to be honest, was a bit like a train wreck. There were a few glimmers of hope, but generally, I found it really, really hard. So Friday night, I'm due to finish work at six o'clock. We had to be here for seven. 25 past six, I'm still in my place of work waiting for a charge to be collected. So I rush home, throw some sort of food, I can't even remember what it was at my children, and bolted out the door. I get here, husband messages and says that he's running late. So I'm like, okay, I'm here, that's all that matters. And then Dave does arrive, he's there for about 40 minutes and then just goes, I'm feeling rubbish, I'm going home. Okay, Saturday morning. Now the plan had been that I was going to leave my children at home, my oldest is coming up 14, so I was thinking, that's fine, I'll leave them at home for two, three hours, they'll be fine, and we'll come here and do the training. And I woke up, and they were like screaming banshees. Everybody was screaming at each other, nobody wanted to play the game, and they were ready to kill each other. And I honestly thought, I can't leave them at home, this is not going to work. So I bung my youngest two in the car, I leave the oldest two at home, and once again, running late. I don't like running late, but Last weekend, just everywhere we went, we were late in some description. And uh, got here, parked the car, but unfortunately had parked in the wrong place. So then was asked, could you just quickly move it? Because the fantastic car parking team didn't want me to end up having my car clamped. So uh, yeah, I then had to run up back, sort the car out. Got back in here again, somewhat like, I just want to cry. And yeah, so the morning went ahead and Mark was incredible. He told loads of stories that were really inspiring. We saw... Um, Dave Rowe get healed, and there was lots of exciting stuff, but I just started to feel really defeated. And so we went to leave here, and my youngest dropped his Kindle on the floor, and it smashed. So I then had tears, and that was always yeah, useful. Got back home, threw more food at the children, and then went to do healing on the streets. And there again, just everything that could go wrong did go wrong. We were asked to go and do the stuff with the guys after having had our training. And so at the beginning we were told, pray with your eyes open. So obviously I shut my eyes and started to pray. We were told then that we should be telling people how loved they are, how cherished they are, what God thinks of them. I did do that, but I did it at the end of the prayer. And uh, we got to ask, I then asked God to deal with the sickness, which was bit stupid being we'd already been told we didn't have to ask God to do it because he'd already given us the authority to do it to be honest I felt like I'd never prayed before by the end of it I was just like I clearly not got this at all 
And then I spent 30 minutes talking to an elderly lady. And she had the most incredible life story to tell. She was 80 years old this month. And she was talking to me all about her children and her grandchildren, how they all live on the same sort of like little cul-de-sac in Ashford. And it was lovely to hear her. I shared with her how much God loves her and he's with her and that she was never alone. And I offered to pray for her, but she declined. And I thought, okay. She doesn't want me to pray. I've been here for 30 minutes now. I want, to, I want to do this. I want to be able to go, I prayed. So I thought, okay, I'll try a different tack. I'll go with the miracle question, which is if God can do anything for you, what would it be? And a few moments before, she talked to me about how she lost her husband quite dramatically four years before. So her answer to me was, if God could do anything, I'd love him to bring my husband back. Which is absolutely obvious. Of course she would. So I'm standing there thinking, I can't. Can't ask God to bring our husband back. It's four years. If I do that, this is going to be really awkward. So, yeah, again, I was just like, okay, this isn't worked. A friend said to me afterwards, why didn't you just pray for her loneliness? I was like, why didn't I pray for her loneliness? That would have been the obvious thing to do. Clearly not obvious to me. So, yeah, so that weekend hadn't worked. And then Monday came along, and the final straw was I went into work. And there was this lady there who's my line manager, and I love her so much. She's just been so incredible since I've started working there. But since before Christmas, she's been struggling with some sort of viral infection, sinusitis, and she has really struggled. And she's pulling herself to work every day, and you can tell she's really suffering. And I said, oh, hiya, how are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm so ill. She said, I've been to the doctors, I've had multiple amounts of antibiotics, nothing's working. And you know that scene in QI, that quiz programme, when they have an answer and it goes, woo, woo, and the answer was so obvious to me. I could hear in my head, pray for her, pray. And I was like, I can't. So I just went, oh, I really hope you feel better soon. And then just face planted myself as I walked out the door and was just like, I'm done. I, why am I doing this? I felt rubbish. Dave and I are thinking about how we can use hots when we go in church plant. And all I could think of was, I'm really pants at this. Why? How am I going to get this? I'm getting it so wrong. On Monday, I spent quite a lot of time feeling sorry for myself. But as God so graciously does, he sent me a friend to lift me up. And in her usual wisdom, after listening to me blub and create a lot of snot, <laughs> tell me that my story was not a story of disaster but that I'd taken a risk and I'd shown up. God loves us showing up and having a go. It's okay to get it wrong. He knows what we're trying to say and what we're trying to do. It's about what's going on in here, not what's coming out of there all the time. Even when I'd forgotten that and was filled with worry, distracted again by focusing on my own inadequacy instead of his complete abundance, he was there. We see in this story both Jairus and the woman in the crowd knowing their complete inadequacy in their own situations. But they went to Jesus because they decided that their faith would be bigger than their fear. For those who have given our yes to Jesus, this is part of what it looks like to follow him, to allow his Holy Spirit to work inside of us and remind us that it is okay. We don't have to face fear on our own, but we can nurture faith every time we choose to ask Jesus to make what it seems impossible possible. As people who carry God's spirit in us, wouldn't it be amazing if we came to a point in Ashford where the people of Ashford who had been healed then had the courage to take healing into their places of work, schools, hospitals, colleges and councils. 
more and more people came to know Jesus, not by coming here on a Sunday, but by being healed by people that prayed with them in all sorts of establishments across the town. Encounters with God outside the church stopped being unusual, maybe for some of us weird or unheard of, and instead the absolute norm. The people of Ashford came to a place of faith where just the touch of Jesus' followers' trousers or top or whatever would see them well. That we would come into a realisation that the Spirit of God that lives in us is as powerful as many of us have read about for all these years, but held back from possibly completely believing due to not being brave enough to partner with God to see that impossible made possible. Causeway Coast Vineyard in Ireland have a big tagline that says, They long to see all things made new. Believing the old, tired, broken, ill are all made new. Can you imagine if here in Ashford we would see the old made new in the lives of people in Ashford? If we took the risk, kept our focus, which is Jesus, and we'd see the hopeless become hopeful, the frightened become fearless, the ill well, the hungry full, homeless housed, and the depressed peaceful and joyful. So the challenge is there for us to start standing out from the crowd and believing, like Jairus and this woman, it's driving me nuts that she doesn't have a name, that his power is transforming. And no matter what anyone says, it's worth keeping our eyes on. What's the point of experiencing his spirit on a Sunday or any other day of the week and keeping it to ourselves? It feels nice, for sure. But if we continually seek his spirit, surely what we share comes from an overflow of his love for us. If we don't share it, I almost picture it like burning money or pouring a beautiful bottle of champagne down the drain. But it's worth so much more. He is wherever we go. His spirit is in us. We never do anything alone. And as his sons and daughters, we are princes and princesses also. He's the king of the universe and we carry his authority. And now I sound like I'm speaking like a Marvel superhero. But the truth is, I'm fighting the noises and the voices of the crowd out there my own voice, and even the enemy that says, you're not good enough. You don't really carry that power or authority. He doesn't really think you're that great. It is a lie. And we have to start turning up. The enemy, just to be clear, that's the devil. We don't mention him very often, mainly because he's not worth speaking about. He won't like it. But man alive, I'm done listening to his lies. Jesus has come and he rules in my life and no one and nothing else does. I want and I'm desperate to break the chains that hold me back, telling fear to quite emphatically do one. (laughs) I want to become fearless, not worrying about other people's perceptions, be following God so closely, I know what he wants me to do. And I'm not only obedient, but I'm excited to join him passionately loving the people of this town or wherever I'm called to. As a side note, Monday evening, I had a stonking migraine, mainly due to all the crying and snot and everything. And uh, I had Seth come over to me and just go, can I pray for you, Mum? With that, he put his hand on my head and he prayed. And about an hour later, I realised that my headache had gone. I'd not taken any medicine. And it would have usually ended up me having to go to bed, sleep it off, and not being able to cope with light and all sorts. But it had gone. Jesus had healed me. And it hadn't come with any format of words that had to be specifically spoken. He just, as a child, had just gone, God, take that pain away. And it had, and God was good. Something God is really teaching me about at the moment is to stop worrying. It may take a whole lifetime to grasp, but he seems to be continually showing me this. I'm learning at the moment that the moment I pray, God, I need you, help me through this, 
I can see him almost instantly taking me by the hand and walking me through that trial. Just before Christmas, I saw a girl have a car accident where she hit a large metal bollard. The sun had been in her eyes, really sort of just there, and she'd not simply seen this bollard. I was driving on the opposite side of the road, and to be honest, the bang was so loud, I thought it had been me that hit the, hit the thing. We both got out of our cars to inspect the damage and check that she was okay. She stood in a state of shock for a few moments, and then, despite having a partner, thought it best to call her dad. She was clearly shaken, and myself and a couple of other women just stood there trying to console her and help her through it and say, it's going to be all right, your dad will be here in a minute, he'll make everything okay. When the guy arrived, he rolled his eyes at her and said something along the lines of, oh, what did you do that for? Look at the state of that. I've just come from work. Do you know how busy I am? Honestly, I felt so much for this girl. She needed her dad to wrap his arms around her, check she was okay, and calmly take care of the car. That's not what she got. God is our heavenly dad that will never get, give us that reaction. When we come for healing, to be for, whether it's for us or others, his arms are wide open and he has the biggest smile on his face. As we come to him and share the struggles we are dealing with here on earth, he wants us to show his love to others and that requires us to be like little children, desperate to show dad something we have found and believe to be priceless and exciting. I picture almost grabbing Dad's hand and saying, Dad, come quick, come see this. What can we do to make it better? And with no flicker of doubt in our mind that Dad will help us make that thing better and show that person just how precious and treasured they are. At the end of the story, we see Jesus go to Jairus' house with just four disciples and Jairus and his wife. He tells them the girl is only sleeping, wakes her and advises her stunned parents to get, get her something to eat. Jesus does it yet again with gentleness and peace. But just before, he's laughed at. As he walks past the crowds as they know the girl to be dead, the crowds will so often tell us things that are hopeless. Our news in this country is daily telling us how hopeless a nation we are. How education, NHS, environment, economy, nothing is working. But God is the highest authority in each of these sectors of society. If we started praying for each of these, and instead of listening to the crowds, Heard, as Jesus said in that story, don't yield to fear, your faith has brought healing, go in peace. We can see some significant transformation. I am convinced that God wants us to continually be stepping out in faith, believing that we have the power to bring transformation to every life in Ashford, as he is ready to partner with us. So what next is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do today? The challenge each one of us has is to be like Jairus or that healed lady, taking a risk, forgetting the crowd and focusing on Jesus and what he has given us the authority to do. It's more, it may be uncomfortable. We may make mistakes. You may not quite get it right, but that's okay. We get to practice until our dying day. God will often do things behind the scenes you may never know or see. But wouldn't you love to still be part of that story? What if the prayers you pray see a person brought back to life, restored, healed, and best of all, brought into relationship with Father God, back into his arms. We're just going to spend a few moments in quiet, keeping it really simple between you and God, and asking him what your next is. Let's stand, taking a moment to stand out from the crowd, keeping eyes on God without any distraction, and asking him, what's next? Maybe it's signing up to be on the HOTS team. 
maybe praying with a colleague at work this week, maybe sharing your faith with someone. Maybe it's even making the decision to follow Jesus. If that's the case, we would love to know. And please come over to the snug, where lots of things are going on at the end. And we'd love to give you a gift and pray with you. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for all the opportunities that you give to us, that you don't write us off when we don't react to something where we see an opportunity and we, we chicken out. But I thank you that you're still with us and your spirit still is with us, giving us so many chances. Lord, help us to see where we can partner with you. Let us be bold and take steps that increase our faith and see more of you in this town. Show us what's next for each and every one of us this coming week, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.